You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Uh, Thanks, everyone. Hey, online. Hey, family online. I was going to say online family, but that's really an, an oxymoron. Honestly, it's like online community. <laughs> but uh, we, yeah, we, we miss you guys. Um, grateful for technology. Yeah. Oh, I want to do a, a little bit of review. For everybody that was here last week, I was going to talk about what I thought was going to be part two of personal revival. I talked about personal revival last week. Um, Honestly, everything that we're built um, for, everything that started my life in Jesus and everything that that started this ministry, what I believe it's essentially all about. And then I was going to plan on continuing that on throughout the rest of the month. And I, I felt like there was a segue that I've you know, I'm on a need-to-know basis, and uh, Jesus let me know this morning that this actually coincides with everything that I was talking about last week, and so this will be a, you could call it a part two, and like I said, essentially every Sunday for the rest of the month, I will will talk, will be in this, this same topic, the same subject matter. If you've known me for very long, you've found out that I don't uh, preach holiday messages just to preach holiday messages. We do what Jesus is doing, and we say what Jesus is saying, and that's, that's the model that Jesus gave us. And so if there's nothing wrong with preaching holiday messages, and that's what Jesus wants to do. I'll, I'll read you know, the, the Christmas story on a Sunday, and we'll, we'll talk about the greatest gift that the earth ever had. But I, essentially, I believe that uh, every message that we are preaching comes out of uh, Jesus coming to planet earth anyway. It may not be the exact text that you grew up or out of Isaiah 9, but grew up listening to on Christmas, but it's still all the, it's all the same. Is this making sense? It's, it's all about the same thing. And so last week, talking about personal revival, um, I, I, I talked about Second or Second Chronicles 7, how Solomon had prayed and fire came down uh, and the temple and the glory of God came upon the temple and the priest couldn't enter because the glory of God was upon the temple. And then uh, paralleled that to 2 Corinthians 6, that we are now the temple of God. The glory of God is supposed to be visible on us so that people will see that God is good and that he is merciful. And how that happens is through what we say is personal revival. I don't uh, promote or talk much about corporate revival uh, because in the reason I don't, not that I'm not for it, I absolutely am, but I don't believe that revival is an event that we're waiting for. I believe that revival is a lifestyle that we live on a daily basis, that I'm not waiting for this sovereign move of God to come. I'm actually living in intimacy with Jesus, and I'm burning for Him, and I'm in love with Him, and people are going to see that daily, and that's my coming alive. That's what revival means, to come alive. Now, I don't know, I, I had made the statement last week, how many times do, does the church need to come to life? How many times do we need resuscitated? How many times do we need revival? I think that usually we just need reminding of these, these practical principles that we apply to our lives. And, and the thing that I mentioned last week that I believe is a key to personal revival is undistracted time with Jesus. My, my altar in my personal life becomes intimacy, and I spend undistracted time with him, which ignites the, the fire on the inside of me, which uh, through intimacy, the glory of God comes upon me. And through my yes, through your yes, the world will see that the Father is good and that he is merciful. And through that, others, we will become <laughs> contagious in a good way, and others will catch on fire because of our, our lives. We look what one man did, one man saying yes, 
to God and living in intimacy with the Father, and he set the world on fire, right, through a small group a small group of believers. Remember, success doesn't look like a bunch of numbers. Success looks like obedience to the Lord. And obedience is simple. My yes to Him on a daily basis, over and over and over again. Sometimes it may seem like this great big thing that we're doing in obedience, and some sacrifices may seem bigger than others, but I believe honestly that it's just one, one sacrifice every single day, and it's that I'll say yes to him, and by doing that, I'll spend my undistracted time with him. But my, my time with him won't always be on the go, but it will I'll actually take time away from my technology and all the things that I can, and, and, I, and I also mentioned last week that that depends on your schedule. What's that look like for you and Jesus? My schedule looks different than you. What's it look like with kids? What's it look like with your job? What's it, you know, Work that out with Jesus. What's your sacrifice of time? Because I, can, I, can, I can't ever say with conviction, I don't have the time. Because I've been there, I've done that, I worked the 12-hour, 14-hour shifts. I know what it's like to say that, they, say that I don't have time, and, and then the Holy Spirit convict me, and like, why don't you get up two hours before work? I'm like, I don't want to get up two hours before work. <laughs> but I'm going to. <laughs> because I know when he, he, when he suggests something to me or even tells me to do something, I know it's for my own good. It's not to benefit him, it's to benefit me. And so I know he's good and I know he's gracious. And I also know that with that, that if I'm spending undistracted time with Jesus and I don't have good beliefs, my undistracted time with Jesus, my intimate time with Jesus is not going to benefit me as much as what it would have if I have good beliefs. And so today I want to talk to you about what we have in Jesus, what we have as believers, which is an open heaven. And I'm going to talk this out. I wish I had a lot of time to talk about it, but I believe that I have enough time and I might bombard you with some scriptures to kind of tie this together. So Strap on your, your seatbelt, and we'll, we'll, we'll go on this journey together of what we have. Um, hopefully, that it will result in us having better beliefs about our time with Jesus, which will, which will multiply. Let me give it, it will multiply what God is doing in our lives. That's what I believe. When we have good beliefs, when we have good beliefs, and we spend time with Jesus then it actually, it, it can take less time for him to do something in us. Let me, let me say it like this. Have you ever spent a stretch of time discipline in, disciplining yourself and spending time with the Lord on a daily basis? Undistracted time. Have you ever spent it for weeks or, or months on end? And, and then every time that you turn your attention towards the Lord, his presence comes it's manifest in a moment. On the flip side of that, have you ever been on the go constantly and distracted away from the Lord and, and not really had that much time of intimacy with Him? And, and then when you go into prayer, or into worship, or when you turn your attention toward Him, it seems to take longer. Right? It's like you spend the first 30 minutes trying to enter into worship when really it's never supposed to be like that. That comes from a belief system. It's not because God has went somewhere or distant or he's mad or he's like, you didn't spend time with me, so I'm, I'm just going to take you. Now I'm going to punish you. He doesn't do that. It's always on us. There's something in our thinking that tells us that because I haven't spent time with him, I haven't conditioned myself, that there's something that I need to work myself into. I'm not saying it's always that, but that at times it's, I need to work myself into this place again. And then there's the fact that when I become sensitive to his presence, it becomes, it becomes easier. So all, all this goes together. And when I have, when I have good beliefs, when I spend time in intercession, intercession prayer, and I, I talked about this last week, if I have an hour to pray, I'm going to spend 45 minutes of it in worship. 
Why am I going to spend 45 minutes in worship? Because most of the things that I want to pray about are going to, going to probably fade away anyway. And I realize that Jesus has got it. They're, they're minuscule things that are like worries or like, you know, they're, they're, they're small needs. And he reminds me as I worship him that he's got this. And then that other 15 minutes that I'm actually going to pray intercession prayer, I'm going to pray from a perspective from heaven to earth, and I'm going to see things the way that he sees them, and I won't be begging him for, to make things happen. And a lot of my prayer time ends up being declarations and, and, and thanking him for what he is doing in the planet because I realize in spending that time in worship that reminds me of his nature and of his character and that he wants to do the things that I want him to more than I want him to. I'm, when I'm praying intercession, I'm not trying to talk God into doing something. I'm letting my petitions be known to Him and ultimately coming into agreement with what His will is on the planet. I hope this is making sense. And, and so my undistracted time with Him needs to have good beliefs attached to it. And there's a concept that we call, we call open, open heavens. That the <laughs> that the only closed heavens for a believer are between the ears of, of say, said believer. <laughs> that there's nothing blocking. I, I know in the Old Testament that it, in Daniel, it took the, the angel 21 days to get to him. But guess what? We're not under that covenant anymore. So, how, <laughs> so it's not necessary for us to, to believe the same way that they did under an inferior covenant. There are types and shadows of things to come. There's promises that were fulfilled in Jesus that were back there that we now, we now correlate. And I'm going to talk, I'm going to read out of Genesis 28. And it helps what Jesus did uh, as the fulfillment of the types and shadows make more sense to us. It gives us a full picture. <laughs> okay, Genesis 28 verse 10. So open heavens, there's nothing blocking my relationship with Jesus. There's no demonic force that's over me that can stop God from doing what he wants to do. There are people that believe because of principalities and powers in regions. I know this is Sunday morning. We're just going to go on in. I'm going to get into revelations and all kinds of stuff. I, doesn't, I don't even care. So we're, it, but there's people that believe that there's principalities and powers that are over particular cities, regions, and nations, which is true. We realize that, but they believe that those particular spirits, those particular demonic forces which are in the second heaven, are blocking the prayers of the saints. And that's why you hear people say, my, my city's just hard for Jesus. It's just hard for, it just, they're hard for the gospel. When they say that, mean, that means that they're not receptive to the gospel. These people are just, well, if that's what I believe, that will become my truth. But that's not true. That's not the highest form of truth. <laughs> Come on. I've tested the theory of going into the darkest places that I can find and have found out in every place that I've went into that God moves the same and sometimes more powerfully than he does within the four walls of what we call church. I remember seeing the power of God come upon uh, a new ager in a psychic place uh, we've seen people's legs shift out, right? There are alignment issues. Uh, we've seen God do it hundreds of times. And sometimes people feel a tug or sometimes people will, will feel uh, cold or a little bit of heat or sometimes they don't feel anything and, and the miracle happens, right? I've had people say, I felt like there was a hand on my lower back. Um, I felt like somebody was actually pulling my leg out and... Um, and then more often than not, they don't really feel much at all. This particular lady sat her down in a chair next to her boss of the New Age place and said, hey, watch this. She was eating lunch, and I interrupted her. I figured it was worth being interrupted for if she was going to see a miracle. And uh, I, I had, had a word of knowledge about the lady's back and hip as I walked in there to fill out an application to try to uh, work in the place to set up a healing, uh, healing room. <clears throat> And uh, <laughs> you don't have to like my methods. It doesn't mean they're not effective. And so <clears throat> I went in there, and, and, um, and I'm, I'm holding her legs out, 
And I just, I, I said something, you know, leg, you know, spirit of healing come, let grow in Jesus' name. And the fire of God came on this lady so much so that she almost screamed and, and, and was freaking out in a good way because of the power and the fire of God that had come on her body. I had never seen that inside of a church. <laughs> it, was, it was powerful, right? And I could have went in there with a different mindset that there was something blocking because of the spirits and, and all these demons and because of the psychics and all that stuff and be focused on the darkness. <clears throat> it doesn't mean I'm ignorant of the darkness. It just means that I'm not focused on it because it doesn't have any power. And when I walk in there, I know who walks in there. When we walk into the room, Jesus walks into the room. When light walks into the room, darkness leaves. And so the, <clears throat> the people could believe that there's principalities and powers that are over that particular place. I believe that that's probably true. There's demonic forces there's, you know, that are, are operating through those people. But I've found out that nothing can block my relationship with the Father. That we are one. And that there's no separation between me and Him. There's no separ and, and because of that, I've found that there's no separation between heaven and earth. When you're a believer. Let me, let, me walk you let me walk you through that. I hope that I've at least piqued your interest. And um, I know we don't have a whole lot of people that are physically here. We have a lot more online. Um, <laughs> but it's still going to be a great day. <clears throat> Genesis 28 verse 10. Yeah, just let me read all the way through 17, then I'm going to turn to John chapter 1, and I'll just read these two particular passages. I know you've heard me use these scriptures before, and it's worth rehashing so that I can lay a foundation in what I'm talking about. It says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. That's a terrible pillow. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. <clears throat> there was a ladder set up on the earth in his dream, and the top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on said ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and, of, and the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie I will give to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and in, in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then jo Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. John chapter 1. Not the passage I'm looking for. All right, John chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse, <clears throat> verse 47. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 47. I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He was, he was impressed rather easily. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, verse 51, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. These are parallel passages in Genesis 28 and John chapter 1 that we see there was a figurative ladder in, in the dream of Jacob that, was in, that God was standing above the ladder and there was an open heaven in that particular place. And so what became a place actually became a person in the new covenant and Jesus now is the ladder. <clears throat> All right, Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to tie this together for you, and then 
we'll jump into the deep end. Matthew chapter 3. For some of you, it may not be deep. For some of you, it may be down there, you know, three or four or five foot. But as long as we're, as long as we're in the pool, I'm happy. Matthew chapter 3, verse... Let's just read verse 16. When he had been baptized, talking about Jesus, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus gets baptized and the heavens, the heavens open. What's this say to us? Jesus had came to earth after John the Baptist had been the first one that had heard from God in, in 400 years of silence. Heaven was closed to all prophets, to all kings, to all priests. God was not speaking for 400 years. John the Baptist comes on, on, on planet earth to, to lead the way for Jesus to clear the way, and he comes preaching his not-so-encouraging message to all those around, and that's why they're willing to go out into the, to the desert to see John the Baptist dressed uh, not in normal attire of his camel's hair, and he's eating wild honey and locusts, right? He's just out there serving the Lord, preaching and preaching a baptism of repentance, He's clearing the way for Jesus. So when Jesus gets baptized and, and the heavens open, that says something to us. It says that, that it's a new day, that there's a, a, a new example that's being set. And for a, for a person that's in relationship with the Father, which Jesus, we know, is, is an example of what is available to us as sons and daughters with a, when we have a relationship with the Father. It's available for everybody that will say yes to Jesus. And so we have what Jesus had as an, as an open heaven. But open heaven only makes sense when, when heaven makes sense to me, uh, where it is the logistics of it, the placement of it. Where is heaven? Because it could appear that because heaven opened over Jesus, that heaven is still in a location that is distant from me, right? Right? I say this often that, that, that heaven is not on the other side of, of Jupiter, right? It's not, it's not, you have to remember when we are, we are talking about the spirit realm, it's not the same as the geography of this, of this natural world. You can't look at it, we can't look at it as like the globe or a map and, and say, this is the way that the spirit realm works, but he does speak to us in terms that make sense to us, but sometimes we get so caught up in the things that make sense in the natural that the spirit realm, it prohibits us from accessing what Jesus opened for us easier than what we've made it. Okay, let me read this. I'm going to turn to Revelations. I'm so excited and I have so much. And some of this I didn't take notes on. I just got it at the end of worship um, uh, Owen's, you know, doing announcements and I'm looking for passages and revelations. I'm like, I don't, I don't have this down and I have to find where it, where it is and so that I can read it. And so bear with me as I, I externally process this with you and hopefully it will benefit us all. So in Isaiah 66, uh, verse one, part a of that verse says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. So how far is a footstool? Who has a footstool in their house? You have, I know Nikki, I've used their footstool uh, in their chair that if you're not careful, you will face plant. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a rocker and um, you have to, if you weigh very much at all and you sit on the edge of it, you will fall forward. And we've seen that happen and, and, and nobody got hurt, but we did laugh and so they have a footstool. So the footstool is on the same level as the, the recliner, as the chair, as the rocker, right? That's where everybody's footstool is. 
for a long time, maybe not you, but I looked at the footstool as something that was you step up onto to come to another place. It would be figurative to uh, a step stool and not a footstool. Anybody have a, a step stool? I've got one of those small step stools that's got, it's got two stairs on it, and I can reach anything that has a you know, 10-foot ceiling in Essentially, if I need to change a light bulb or whatever, I have nine foot ceilings in our new house. It's all I need, but it's a step stool. That's the way that I looked at a footstool, but that's not what it is. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. It means that if he, when he stretches out his feet, he's stretching them straight out. I promise this will make sense. There, there's, there's, no, there's no difference. There, there's, are you getting this? Like, like heaven and earth right here. Together. Right here together. Recliner. It's actually, actually a good analogy for heaven, right? We're seated in heavenly places and we're to rest in him. And then the footstool. It's right there. Now, now look at this. Let me, let me further... Let me give you some more scripture. So John in the book of Revelations. He's on the island of Patmos, right? He's still alive miraculously, but he's still alive. So John is, is exiled to the island of, uh, island of Patmos, and he's having a great time with Jesus, right? That's what you, <laughs> if you're exiled, or you, you know, it it's a, it's a, speaks to us about when you get alone time, you should be having a great time with Jesus. <laughs> and then that transfers into an all-day great time with Jesus. Come on. <laughs> my, my secret place time was meant to become my lifestyle. I don't get in and get out and nobody gets hurt. It's I get in and never leave, though I still do things. Taking the secret place to the marketplace. Dave Noel coined that phrase for their school of ministry. Okay. So John is on the island of Patmos and in verse... I'm going to start in verse 9. And read just a few verses. So we establish that John is alive. He's physically in the world. And, and he is having a good time with Jesus. Verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me an a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. All right, I'm just going to stop right there. I just want to point out, I'm not going to get into the seven churches which you see in, in, in chapters 2 and 3, but I am going to read something out of verse 4 in a second. Or, I'm sorry, chapter 4. John says that he heard a voice like a trumpet, where at? Behind him, he was where? In the spirit on the Lord's day. Feet were still on the ground, right? On the earth. Chapter 4. After these things, this is the same event. Chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. This is all, all it's actually the whole book's one, one insane encounter with the revelation of what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Not the revelation of the end times. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. He's still, feet on the ground. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. And then what happens? John comes up there. Come up higher. You've probably been to a prophetic conference that had the name. Come up higher. It's a great name for a prophetic conference. I just... <laughs> we haven't used it because it's been used so often. <clears throat> but it's true. Jesus is inviting us to a place that we are still on earth, but in heaven at the same time. Not the heaven that we'll be in at the end of this lifetime. Right? When I breathe my last breath, you and I will immediately, to be absent from the bodies, to be 
present with the Lord. But Jesus opened heaven in Matthew 3 so that we could actually live from there now. John proves it. He's in the Spirit on the Lord's day, feet still on the ground, still living, breathing, just like you and I, worshiping the Lord. And he hears a voice that's behind him. That, that shows us and points to the fact that he's actually on the same level. Remember? Recliner and footstool. Rocker and footstool. Heaven and earth. They're, they're on the same place. And the door he saw open was into a higher place in, in a different dimension that he was, had access to because of what Jesus opened to us. Now let me explain this to you, and hopefully it will make sense, is that John in Revelations, I believe 22 or 23, he says, I think it's 22, chapter 22, he says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down and out of heaven. Down is dimensional when we're talking about the spirit, we're spirit realm. And out is revealing. Are you with me still? And so he, he is saying, I actually saw something that was in a higher dimension than I was in. But because I was in the spirit, I had access to it. And then I saw it revealed. It actually came out into the natural. He saw the new heaven and the new Jerusalem come out into the natural. Why am I telling you all this? When I realize that heaven isn't a place that's far away from me, I will access it in my daily life. And all the things that I have been trying so hard to get to come from heaven, I realize that because of Jesus opening heaven, and now that I'm one with him, my relationship with him gives me access to everything that he had, the things that John saw in the Spirit, and because of that, heaven can come from a place that is right here around me. Recliner, footstool, same place. Because this... <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 2, let me read some more. I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of scripture. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. This is a quote out of the Old Testament at first. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Right? You've heard this before in the Old Testament. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts higher than my thoughts. Right? Old covenant. We still apply that when we don't understand something though, right? It doesn't mean that everything's for us to understand. It just means that that's not applicable to, to my life now in this new covenant. Are his ways higher than my ways? Yeah, if I, if, I, if I still live my life not in the Spirit. Otherwise, our ways are the same. Come on. All right, verse, I'm going to keep reading in 1 Corinthians 2. <laughs> I am not saying that we are God. I am saying that we are sons and daughters of God. That we are just like him. And, and that it's time for us to come out of living in the natural realm and making excuses. This is what's happening. We're, we're, we're done making excuses of living out of the, the natural body and the, out of our soul as Christians. This is what God's doing. He's bringing us out of this place to where we live encompassed as one with the one who see, sits in heaven. We're seated in heavenly places. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, right? We'd all agree on that? Ephesians 2.6, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where are we? In Christ. Where's He? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Then where are we? I'm not saying we take his place. I'm saying we're one with him. Okay, verse 10. But God has revealed them. I love it when he says but. Because it, it, have you ever said somebody, somebody tell you, I love you, but. 
it actually nullified the I love you. <laughs> You've had somebody say, if anybody ever adds but after an encouragement or something like that, they're like, but, and then all that you forget. You only remember what's after the but. This is what, this adding this but in here separates old covenant from new. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. We'd agree with that. The spirit of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all one. We're all what they call Trinitarians in this room, even though that's not a term that's in the Bible, but that's how we relate the, the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But they're one God. Ephesians 4 says that, right? One faith, one Lord, one baptism. It's all, it's all one. I know everybody in the room that, that makes sense too. Verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. 1 Corinthians 6.17, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. John 14.20, In that day you will, know that I am in, uh, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Which Jesus pointing us towards. That we're one. How do we complicate that? I still think about it with my natural mind. And that's okay because we're coming out of that place of thinking about things with the natural mind and tapping into the mind of Christ that we have. <clears throat> Jesus lives a life that shows us that heaven is not a place that's far away, but it actually became a person in oneness with the Father because of the intimacy that they had, and he was able to release or access all things that were in the heavenly realm at any given moment. He wasn't praying like Daniel and waiting on an answer from the Father, right? Daniel waited, I said he was 21 days waiting for an answer from the Father. Jesus saw the Father do what he was doing, heard the Father say what he was saying, and he released what was in heaven in every single moment. Stops a funeral, bam, raises the dead. Resurrection power. <laughs> it makes your point when you say bam. Right, blind Bartimaeus needs, needs vision in a moment. He releases it. He doesn't pray and wait for the Father. He releases it right now. I am not saying that there aren't things that we pray about and wait on answers to. That's true. We're looking for wisdom. We're looking for direction, big decisions in our life. We want guidance. <clears throat> all, that, all that makes sense, right? We, we just, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't do that. But there are things that are clearly marked out in the scriptures that are God's will on planet earth right now. They're already marked out. I don't have to pray about it. This person needs healing. Don't have to ask God. Just do it. Does it mean that I stop every person that needs healing? No, I would, I would all my day would be spent, which I would be okay with that, but <clears throat> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be, maybe it would be the right kind of productive at times. And at other times, it wouldn't. Sometimes it would be irresponsible. Sometimes it would be just the opposite. It would be responsible. All right, this person needs freedom. I don't have to pray. God, do you want this person to no longer be suicidal? Life is his will. Death is not. And so I release life. Suicide opposes his will. Sound mind. All... all all the things that have to do with life, have to do with freedom. <clears throat> all the things that Jesus models. Provision. <clears throat> all the things that Jesus, even the practical provision. He, he takes a fish, and you know, a few fish and a few loaves and feeds thousands of people. What's that show us? Feeding people that are hungry is good. 
It's practical, even though it may come through the supernatural. <clears throat> it may come through the multiplication of food. If we have access to enough food, then we don't need the supernatural. If, we don't, if we're running out of food and there's more people to feed, then we need the supernatural. We have access to it. Not everything's done by natural means. And while we're feeding them, we see who needs freedom, who needs, who needs healed, who needs, right? Who needs a financial miracle? Who needs restoration in their relationships or in their marriage? Who, who's, ki- who's kids, who's wayward kids need, need, you know, come back to the Lord or come to the Lord period? What, those are all things that become in the realm of God's, of God's will. He wants them to take place. <clears throat> when I understand that, that I have access to all the things that Jesus modeled. Let me say it like this. Let me walk you back, walk through as I, as I, I try to wrap this up and, and tie this into a hopefully somewhat neat bow. Again, I'm going to continue on for the rest of the Sundays through this month. There's a, a few more left. And <clears throat> But I, I want to get I want to get this so that we can go to the next piece. In the kingdom, there's there's. If I could compare it to grades, you're like you don't you take kindergarten, then you're going to get first grade, and then you're going to go to second grade. I know some of you in the room or online may have been overachievers and just incredibly intelligent, and you went from kindergarten to second grade. That wasn't me. I think they held me back. <clears throat> But there's, there's an order of things in the kingdom, spiritual order of things. When I understand this concept, it will take me, it will graduate me, it will mature me, it will take me to the next grade. It will make my personal revival more of a reality on a daily basis. That's what this is the key to, understanding all these things that I just mentioned. Genesis 28, there's a ladder set up. God's above it. He's in a higher dimension. Jacob's dreaming. He realized that there's a location where God is. That's the gate of heaven. Jesus comes, John chapter 1. He says, now you're going to see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Specifically says the Son of Man. That invites us into it. And then Matthew chapter 3, the heavens open over Jesus. They show us that it's a new day. It's a new covenant. Then Jesus lives a lifestyle that shows us that there was nothing blocking his relationship with the Father. He was releasing everything that was the Father's will on earth as if, because there was a seamless connection between heaven and earth that they were different dimension, different realms, not, not separated locationally. Heaven, his throne, earth, his footstool. John shows us that we have access to the heavenly realm through what? We, we access it through intimacy. We call it prayer. The primary purpose of prayer is connection with the Father, not petition. Not getting my, my wants and needs or even important things answered. That is not the primary purpose of prayer. That's a lot of P's right there in a row, was it? <laughs> That's not the primary purpose of prayer. The primary purpose is connection and everything else follows connection because the kingdom is built on and solidified in relationship. When I get that, I will access the realm that is around me like John did. And I'll see that Jesus became an open heaven that was a, lo- what was a location, became a person. And then I'll realize that my oneness, that me and the Lord are one, that there's a seamless connection, that I am in him and he is in me. We are one. Where he is, I am. And where I am, he is. That means that I become an open heaven. Am I saying that you're heaven? No, I'm just saying that heaven lives in you. I'm saying that there's a realm that is around us and on the inside of us 
that sometimes we can try to get to and we don't have to. The closed heavens only here between my ears. When I have good beliefs about, about heaven, about my unity and my oneness with him, I will begin to access this place through intimacy in ways that I never have before. Is this making sense? Did I give you enough scripture? <clears throat> Let me give you another. John 17. Let me end with this. We teach on this <clears throat> because there's been a model in intercession prayer, which is, is, is being done away with. There's been a model in intercession prayer. Some of you have been around it for a while can, can agree with me. That says, I need to convince God or beg God to do something, and hopefully he will hear me so that I can, what, bang, bang on heaven, right? Reminds me of a song. I don't have to bang on heaven. I don't have to ask God to even open the floodgates of heaven. I don't have to. It's open. He's in me. Who holds heaven together? Let me ask you that. The same one that holds the very molecular structure of this body made out of dirt together. God. Who, who's, who, is, who is essentially engulfing heaven? The Father. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. It's a place that I want to I land this at, where, a place I want to end at. Because it involves the most intimate example of oneness and, and unity with the Father that there ever was in the Bible, and it's, it's through Jesus. And I want to show us that we have this same, we have this same access. John, John chapter 17, verse 20 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you have gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. When the revelation of my oneness with the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is solidified, the revelation of me having an open heaven at all times gets solidified. Then I also realize I have become an open, open heaven to the world around me. My prayer time is essentially supposed to solidify the seamless connection and oneness that I have with the Father every time. Connection that I already have is to become a, a deeper, more intimate reality to me. And something that is as simple as undistracted time with the Lord will, will turn into me being, you being, a person who actually becomes revival and releases revival everywhere that you go. That it becomes seamless in me releasing what heaven has for the world around me. That my amazing moments and intimate moments with the Father in my undistracted time will translate into impact in the people that are in my sphere of influence. Whether I'm paying attention and praying intentionally or not. Because when I get this, 
things just begin to leak out of me figuratively when I am around people that need it. Freedom just begins to be released from us. Healing just begins to happen around us. People begin to experience peace and love in, in ways that they haven't before. They begin to stake, begin to get revelations of who Jesus is just by you being around them. I know this is already happening in many of our, our lives, but this is an opportunity for it to go, it to go deeper. That God is inviting us into this time of rededication, uh, in a rededication of ourselves on the altar of intimacy. In a season where we can easily, and I, I am the first to admit that I have been, and I did last week, can easily become distracted with all of the things that aren't most important. Get caught up in all of the this, this stuff that's temporal and not eternal. Remember, they're not bad. The temporal things aren't bad things. At least the ones I'm talking about. But it's it's not the sole purpose why I'm here. And in my undistracted alone time with him, that goes deeper into the core of who I am. In this open heaven, I realize actually becomes point through my own personal life that we are, I'm, I'm living in the same realm that he's living in, even though I am in the world, but not of the world. We call it walking in the spirit. Maybe simple truth to some of you, but it, it, is, a, it is a life changer for our families, for our, our neighborhoods, our city, and, and our nation and the nations of the world. Remember what God said to Jacob, I, I'm going to bless your, your seed and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Guess who's in on that blessing right now? Us. Isn't that great? That our beliefs right now passed on to generations. My beliefs and choices are leaving a legacy for generations to come. That's one of my declarations right now. Your beliefs and choices are leaving a legacy for generations to come. Isn't that amazing? That our beliefs and our choices in spiritual things, and even in our undistracted time with Jesus, is, is not solely about us. It's about the generations that are coming after us. And we get the privilege and the opportunity to set an example for those that are around us. What kind of legacy will we leave? Right now, we're leaving a, we're leaving a good one. And as our beliefs go higher, it's just going to get that much better. And so if, if you would stand with me and, and we'll pray into this online, you can stand or stay seated or laying down, whatever you're enjoying at the moment. <laughs> yeah. We just embrace right now, Father, everything that you have released to us through Jesus. We embrace the revelation that Jesus left us. We pray if there's any closed heavens between our ears that you would remove the lies and replace it with the truth of what we have access to. That our undistracted time with you would become all about connection with you. It would become all about our intimate connection that our altar would become the altar of intimacy in all that we do. That we would never leave the secret place, but that we would walk about in our daily lives and remaining in the secret place, doing all the things from that, that place, from that spiritual location. <clears throat> the things that were said today that, that we needed to get, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would solidify them in us that you would tear up anything in our foundation that, <clears throat> that opposes the truth you want us to get. And you would build deep roots into the foundation, which is Jesus, 
who is love. That all this would continue to be about the same thing and it's being being close to you. Representing and representing our oneness with you. Bringing the world the revelation of your goodness and your mercy. Being the open heaven that you've given us access to be. Releasing the things that you've given us access to release in any given moment. That we'd get that now more than ever before. That you take our beliefs to higher levels about this particular topic so that our time with you would become even more more impactful to us. <laughs> yeah, we thank you for a growing sensitivity to your presence that we would, even more than we already have, become aware of your presence right now in every moment of every day. That us in you and you in us, us seated in the place of heaven that you've given us access to would, would bring our awareness to your tangible presence that's upon us at all times and on the inside of us. So much so that those that are around us begin to experience you in ways they never have. That those that are around us would begin to encounter you and your love even when we're not paying attention, even when we don't seem to be doing anything that would be deemed ministry, when we're doing the practical that you again would would straighten out our our perspective on what's important and what's most important that we would keep you the center of our, our lives and at the same time make sure that the things that are most important are right where they need to be yeah we just say yes to this truth we say yes to all that you're doing right now in us and in our city, in our nation. We thank you for the greatest time ever to be alive in the church. Would you make that reality of our oneness with you and with each other go deeper today? We can show our city, our nation, the nations of your radical love for them we thank you for it thank you father thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thanks Jesus thanks Jesus I release peace upon every person that needs it peace and I pray that, yeah, just help us to rest in that place. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Prayer team, if you would come. and Anybody that needs prayer, we want to pray for you. I want to read something I actually forgot to read. It's, it's super short if I could just have your attention for 30 more seconds. We took an offering Wednesday and Sunday of last week for Bibles in, in Karachi, Pakistan, and we were able to, we don't know exactly how many uh, yet, but it's upwards of, of 400 Bibles that we were able to provide for, uh, finances for, for those of Karachi. And this is from uh, Bezalel, and he, uh, he wrote this out and sent it to me, um, which it would be. 1230 uh, midnight, <laughs> 12:30 at night, their time right now. He just sent this to me a little bit ago. And uh, he says on behalf of him and Raphael, uh, Raphael prayer and church ministry for the gener thank you for the generous donation for the distribution of Bibles among the needy people as a gift to them for Christmas. It will be a pearl for the people who will be having the Bible for the first time in their whole lives. We cannot wait to see the smiles on their faces when they'll be receiving this. We have planned to distribute in different, different cities around the area, and we'll be sharing the photos with you all. May the Lord bless the RTW family with kind regards.
Bezalel. So thank you for everybody that gave to, to that or prayed into that. We are incredibly grateful. I mean, getting the Word of God in people's hands for the first time in a persecuted, persecuted nation. In a persecuted nation. I can't wait to see what, what comes out of it and the discipleship and how people are going to grow. So thanks again. Um, bless you guys. And hope you guys have an amazing week. Again, if you need prayer, please don't hesitate to come up here. And hopefully we'll, we'll get to see you all on Wednesday. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.